we met five years later and I was in another one of his videos and then we were both single and literally we met then and then a week later I'd moved in we're getting married and having a baby <laughs> very quick and my mum said Whoa. the other she said you went on holiday and you called her up I said mum we're gonna get married can you help organize it all this week is a woman of many talents actress director fashion designer the list goes on and on delighted to be joined by the super talented sadie frost mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, Sadie Frost, and welcome to the podcast. Hiya. Hi. How are you today? I am pretty good. I've been running around doing all kinds of things, but yeah, it's been quite an exciting day. Yeah, I can imagine things have been pretty crazy for you recently because of the thing that we need to dive straight in and talk about, which is your directing debut, a really fun documentary about Dame Mary Quant, who is a total fashion icon. I I guess like one of the founders really of, of modern fashion, but someone that isn't really well known so it was amazing to hear her story I thought I loved it I know I think maybe because she was like literally one of the first so when she started kind of doing what she was doing and changing the kind of the silhouette and how women looked in the you know the the end part of the 50s she she'd been at art school and she just kind of was like why do why do women have to dress like their mothers and we have to go to the same shops and why isn't there any choice and alternatives and she was just one of the first women designers at that time to kind of come up with um, just making her own clothes and, and formed a boutique and started selling clothes that she thought women would like and, and giving young women an identity. And I guess maybe along the way she got forgotten or lost in, there's been so many decades and so much evolution in fashion. And, and you know, even though her exhibition at the VNA was so amazing and successful and so many people went, still I would talk to young fashion students and they wouldn't know who she was was and um, what she did so you know I think it's it's really important to remember her because I think so much has kind of come from her and even when 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 I went to the VNA and looked at the exhibition I, I couldn't believe like the clothes were made 40 years ago or something I was like this I would wear this today yeah and you know so it's it's great I think there's um it's really good to educate people and there's a real revival. Um, she seems to me always to be relevant or definitely relevant today. And she said things that were so kind of brilliant for women and for women to kind of, you know, that empowered women and gave women a voice that, you know, she really does need to be 
honored and remembered. Yeah, because she was like a, a revolutionary, wasn't she? She basically invented the mini skirt was one of the things I took away from the documentary. And, you know, her, her fashion style was all about youth, wasn't it? And just liberating women, actually, like just getting women to wear and, and do what they want, which at that time would have been a huge statement. Yeah, I think there, there was always this debate on like who was it who actually invented the miniskirt. But I think, you know, from all the research I did, I thought that she, you know, she actually did. And she was the one who kind of was this shorter, 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 encouraging women <laughs> to get shorter. And she she was like a, a tomboy. So she didn't understand why women had to wear these kind of very restrictive clothes. And I think what was interesting about her was, yes, yeah, she was an art student. Um, she came from kind of uh, her parents were school teachers, but quite a normal background. But her um, partner was um, Alexander Plunkett. And he was upper class and would wear like clothes, like pajamas in the day and quite a dandy. And I think that was, you know, was quite interesting for her because she could kind of see that, you know, fashion didn't have to be restrictive or the same. And she was seeing that that class was being a bit more inventive. And, and then also she saw that there was only clothes that were made, yes, for, for kind of older women and, and, and kind of mothers or dressing for daddy. But there was also, you know, it was always about what was going on in Paris. And she was like, well, what's going on? in London or England. And, and I think everything was aligned then, I think from photography to art, to um, music, to fashion, and you know, had brilliant actors and, and everybody just seemed to be all kind of getting at the same time. So she kind of did do so many inventive things. I think it's such an interesting story. I'd love, I'd love to see it as, a, as an actual feature film, not, not just a documentary, because it's so exciting. Yeah, I'm sure there's loads more you kind of could explore. But you got so many brilliant people on board as well to to, to speak about. Obviously, there's Vivian Westwood, Kate Marsh, Charlotte Tilbury, and and loads of loads of others. Were they just all huge fans? Was it kind of easy to to get them on board? I think it's always harder than you think because everyone's really mm. busy. And you know, I had my wish list, and you know, I had um, I probably had about twenty, thirty people, including like Mary's peers and family, and. And there was a good good eight eight people at, that that just could, didn't have the time and, and couldn't do it. But I was so grateful, and 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 I thought it actually always, it ended up how it should be with getting the people I got. So having Vivian to do that bit about you know fashion, having responsibility and wanting less, and then Edward talking about you know what Mary did, you know recasting, and 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 also he talked about you know buying less, and you know Kate talking about models. You know every everybody had something that they could kind of you know, um, bring to the bring to the actual story and bring things to life. And I think, you know, also Jasper Conran, who was her godson, you know, he brought the kind of emotional human side. So everyone had, every, yeah, everyone had a part. Directing for the first time as well. And it all happened during a pandemic. Like, how was that as an experience? Stressful a little bit? It was so stressful. <laughs> I thought the film was going to be finished. Oh. I just kept having like it was like one of those bad dreams where you're like I cannot believe that this has gone wrong and something else is going to go wrong and then and then not being able to finish the film and the archive went over the, over budget by three times and then I was like well how I need this archive because I don't have Mary to be in it mm. to be, and and you know and I don't want it to be some kind of like glossy like documentary that just didn't have you know I had so you know you you kind of start projects and you have your kind of wish list and how you see things to be and then it's just very normal if you're creative or a creative that people who finance the money people tell you no 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 
So I just kept fighting for what I wanted in it. And I kind of more or less got everything really. And that, you know, Goldfinch with the producers gave me um, a lot of support over that. But um, it was quite scary. I didn't think it was going to be finished. And I thought I was going to have to just ring everyone up and say, sorry, sorry that you kind of did all that work. Um, yeah, the film's fallen apart. But I kind of kept fighting uh, and finishing, you know, trying to finish it. And yeah, I was literally running around and posting tape recorders through people's letterboxes and begging people. <laughs> And then it kind of nearly got finished and we'd run out of money and I entered it into the London Film Festival. Then, you know, they liked it. So we finished, we managed to finish it and get a distributor. And and I actually think I always thought it'd probably come out in one art house cinema and it's actually been screened in over 200 cinemas. So it's an, a real achievement. And I'm so grateful for everyone that supported it because I think it will educate fashion students from 19 that then people in their 80s and 90s are going to love it as well yeah absolutely quant out in cinemas as you say over 200 cinemas for those who want to see it definitely comes highly recommended from us so do you want to do more directing then going forwards yeah i really really enjoyed it i think i enjoyed it more than producing which is always the, the responsibility is about raising the money which is the hardest bit and i'm actually in talks to do two documentaries next year so i'm very yeah, feeling very good. I think I'm going to just have a like digest all of this, but then, yeah, go into two two other great subjects. Oh, amazing! Is there anything else you can tell us that you're working on at the moment? We you get yourself in trouble. Basically, well, I just acted in a film that's um, coming out next year called The Chelsea Cowboy. That was great. You know, going back to acting, mm-hmm. I'm writing a, a screenplay myself called Blackout, which is a kind of thriller, which is so much fun and. Yeah, so all of my spare time goes into that. So I want to direct that next year. So there's there's all kinds of things going on. I never have like a dull day. There's always something interesting and exciting to do. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I get all, given all these opportunities. But I'm also looking to kind of at some point have a bit of time off. Imagine that, bit of time off. How do you find that though, working on uh, on so many different projects at once? Is that what you, you thrive on or does it ever get a little bit too hectic? I think I've always done it and everyone laughs when I say, well, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. And they go, yeah, yeah. So I like, have eight things on the go. And then, you know, I got diagnosed with having ADHD and they were like, it was, it was last year that I got diagnosed and they were like, I cannot believe that no one's ever picked up on this because you're just always, you know, you're up in, you're kind of up in the night and doing this and writing, writing things. And then you're going off and writing an album with your friend. And then, you know, and it's like, it's not because I'm kind of showing off or, or it's just that I'm just kind of like got this energy of this drive, but, and then, and then sometimes you think you wish you could just not be doing stuff and be concentrating more on one, one thing, but it's just not how my brain works. So, I mean, in a way, maybe having a project, if, if I was in the countryside, which I'd like to do one, one time is get a place outside London and have chickens and goats. And, you know, I think that would be great because I think that would be really good for me to, to channel my energy into that. So, you know, I feel like I'm very, um, feel quite fulfilled in my career because I've, I've done quite a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I also want to do the normal things like, you know, picking flowers and making a cake and all that stuff. It sounds a bit silly, but I, I just want to be more of a simple time. So what do you do when you're not super busy? Like, what do you do in your downtime? Do you find it easy to relax? Yeah, but I don't really have any downtime. That's the thing. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I get up in the morning early at five or whatever, and I'll have a 
nice walk in the park. So that's, you know, I go for nice walks with the dog, with little Cherry. And, um, you know, I, I, I started doing evening classes, um, doing ballet, which I'm really loving. And I do um, trapeze as well in my lunch break once a week. And so I guess I have those little hobbies and things, but I don't have, yeah, I mean, if that sounds mad, I do have downtime. I f- you find downtime wherever you want to find it. But, but what I'm saying is I don't really ever just do, do nothing. I find it very difficult to do nothing. And I, and I think probably I had so much time and energy put into the kids when they were growing up and now they're all grown up. I'm like, what do I do all this time? And when I get to that, sometimes I finish work or it's seven o'clock and I'm just sitting there. I think, oh my God, what do I do now? You know, it's a really weird, hard feeling to kind of think, oh, what, what, what do I, I, like, I mean, I love yoga and meditation, all that stuff as well. So mm. it, it, it's just a bit of a transitional time because I just moved house. The kids have all grown up, work's busy, you know, and it's just getting the balance of how to have this new life where it's relaxation, play and socializing. Cause I just don't feel like that side of my life is important. It's important, but it's still good to see your friends. You can't isolate can't do to put everything into work so it's just a happy medium and and that's what I'm trying to find right Sadie before we go any further let me explain how the rest of the podcast is going to work so we've been through the internet and we found a bunch of stuff that people are searching and really want to know about you Sadie Frost so it's time for you to face the celebrity search engine and hopefully serve up the answers that the world so wants to know are you ready I'm terrified (laughs) (laughs) your face has changed absolute terror okay let's we'll start easy so let's start by seeing what happens when we type in Sadie Frost and the word who the first question shock is who is Sadie Frost obviously you're a lady who does so many different things but like how would you describe yourself I mean, what was always really frustrated me is that I was, you know, you, you could do, I could do a really interesting interview with a journalist who was very, very intelligent and they write about, you know, we're talking about obviously like directing Mary Quant and, you know, what that means for women and da, da, da. And they'll say, and they will always say, she's very, um, Sadie Frost is most known for the man, men she married or, or for the men, yeah, the men she dated. Uh-huh. And I, I get really crossed by that because I'm saying you're basically just, in, you're just carrying on this myth like I'm only known for that because you guys write about it like I probably achieved career-wise you know had a business had a fashion company that was sold all over the world been in films produced films acting films done voiceovers whatever it may be but because they write you know the press will write about who I was married or you know they they their profile was bigger it for some reason is a real is a real kind of blight on 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 my career and what I do, which I find really annoying because I can actually work I work very hard. So mm. I think it probably comes up about my ex husbands. Yeah, I um I found that actually from a lot of a lot of articles about you, it almost takes away from your achievements because the first two lines are like, well, you know, e- you know, ex ex husbands this and this, and it's like, what we're talking about we're talking about her her acting or we're talking about her directing. Yeah. So I can imagine that is like. And then I always say best friend of Kate Moss because it will just be like Kate and Sadie. But but it's like I've got lots of friends and, you know, but they want to mention the most high profile people in the same sentence. So so obviously Kate's mentioned and and so my ex-husband's. But it's like I was married over 20 years ago to Jude. I mean, a lot has happened since then, a whole (laughs) lifetime. And to kind of even be talking about anything you know it is not relevant so I, it is frustrating but then I'm not going to get upset by it because 
you know, I, I know and my kids know, you know, that I work really hard and, and they're proud because people say, you know, has she ever had a job? And I'm like, what? I've got 10 jobs. <laughs> I've got too many jobs. I never have any time <laughs> off. <laughs> But, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, I guess, people that Google it. I don't know. I'm not going to have any judgment. This next search I found really interesting. Who is Sadie Frost's father? And he was a very interesting man from doing some research on him. He was a very interesting man. And, you know, he kind of, like all parents, made me who I was, but really did make me who I was because he was like kind of, he was a, an anarchist and, you know, a pioneer in modern art. And he was mad and he was brilliant but I lived a very kind of nomadic childhood and he did some quite, you know, strange things to me as a child in, in the way that I was kind of living, you know, we were living like gypsy, like life, life kind of thing. My mum had me when she was 16. So in a way it kind of made me kind of this kind of creative, mad person too, you know, but also wanting to kind of, have a bit of normality but he you know he was brilliant but what he did do was he, he just sabotaged everything you know he sabotaged every bit of brilliance he had and you know he you know was an alcoholic and he had hep c and he you know he kind of alienated himself from most of his family and me and him were estranged which was you know incredibly painful and mm-hmm. then when he passed you know i wasn't really ready for it i never thought he would go and i had so many demons and things to deal with so for me it's been my relationship with him affected me hugely as a child but you know it's also affected me hugely as an adult because you know Mm. you can have everything you want or you know certain pieces of you know nice family and all that kind of stuff going forward but you know if you've had a background that really needs to be healed you know that 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 will you know until you actually heal it it'll keep coming back to kind of kind of bite you on the bum but you know I can really look at it from a kind of as a big picture now but you know I I it's just weird when you when somebody is such a huge character and they're they're gone Mm. it's like you know you wish you had a one part of them that you can just like you know a little kind of you know just to kind of just check in with them and to kind of you know to remember how brilliant they were yeah so so you know I think when I talk and, and it is that whole generation. It's like Mary Quant, she was a bit older than he was, but that generation that, you know, of people that, you know, are going to be forgotten. And, you know, for me, I, I kind of ex- exec produced on a documentary about his life, which um, thankfully, you know, I have that because it reminds me and anyone else, you know, what him and his peers did. Um, and I'm going to actually kind of now take it a bit further and, and to kind of direct uh, my part of it and, and kind of do a real insight kind of, it's going to be called Tales, from my, Tales of My Father, and to look at the whole emotional side. But no, he was a, a very interesting guy. I've never met anyone like him. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be an interesting thing to watch because when I was obviously searching him for this, he's worked with the Beatles and, you know, it sounds like he's done all these kind of interesting things. Yeah, he, he worked with all kinds of people in the music industry as well, like David, well, David Bailey and the Beatles and the Kinks. And he kind of painted furniture with his partners for, for you know, the Royal Family. But he would just like, he'd get this amazing opportunity, but then he'd start a fight with someone or he'd set fire to something or he'd smash something up. <laughs> oh, well, here we go again. Yeah. Because so he, him and your your mum split up and then you've got 10 siblings. Is that right? So I've got five, there's five girls, including me, and yeah. five boys. And there's 10 wow. of us. Yeah. And there's wow. steps as well, but 10 blood related. 
brothers and sisters. So it was quite a full on when we were all little. Can you imagine? Yeah. It was full on lots of um, lots of shouting and, and sibling rivalry and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and just general chaos. Yeah, I can imagine. The nosy searches have started. Who is Sadie Frost dating? Are you with anyone at the moment? I'm not actually. It's really quite interesting because I used to hate being single. I was (laughs) a bit of a love addict, really codependent. I was married to Gary, Finn's dad, and had the most amazing time with him and then met someone else and then met someone else. And when I, if I was ever single, I was like, it was just painful to be single. Anyway, I was in a relationship for eight years and I decided I wasn't happy being in a relationship anymore. It, it was really weird. I was like, I love my work. I love like living on my own. I just don't want to be in any way compromising who I am or, or kind of, I've just been doing all of this stuff for so long, especially like raising four kids. Mm. So I, I became single four months ago and I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, do you just feel like it's it's the right thing for you right now just to, yeah, look yeah. after yourself? Look after myself. It was a huge relief. I think, you know, when you, you, you start, your kids are getting older and, and you're kind of, you know, you've got a responsibility to, you know, to progress yourself and to to make changes spiritually, emotionally and everything. And, and, it, and if, if the other person or whoever it may be is not aligned with you, it's, it's just going to be... It's just going to be conflict. And I just was, I'm so bored and fed up with conflict. I've had it since I think I was born. And I just, mm-hmm. and I just want to live a, a yeah, easy, loving life. So if that's on my own, it's on my own. If I meet somebody later on, that would be great. But no, I'm, I'm single right now. The next search is, who did Sadie Frost play in The Craze? It's quite a, quite a popular search, this. That's interesting. Probably because it probably comes up that on my IMDb that I was in The Craze. I played, if I can remember, because it's a very long time ago. <laughs> I think um, I played, so Kate Hardy played Martin Kemp's Reggie Kate Cray's wife. And I was in this scene at, in, at Café Paris, and I think I, um, Stephen Burkhoff was my husband. And right. me, I'm wearing the same dress as Kate Hardy's character. And it was just so, I can't even remember my name. It's terrible, isn't it? And there's a, a little kind of mini scene with us two wearing the same dress and a little exchange. Yeah, there's a few scenes. It was, it was nice, you know, doing, it's like in my 20s, early 20s. It's, it's interesting, isn't it, that that wasn't like a major role for you, but it's like really heavily searched. Sometimes you never know what's going to come up. Yeah. Okay, so let's mix up those letters and we're going to move from the who's to the hows. I mean, I wouldn't normally ask somebody this, but it is the search. How old is Sadie Frost? So what am I supposed to be saying the truth? Yeah, you can say the truth unless you have a stage age. No, no, no. Well, am I supposed to be saying why is they say, no, no, I'm 56. You know, I, I kind of like really try to make peace with age I know so many people my friends and stuff it's we're all I'm getting old we're getting old but the thing (laughs) is yeah I am getting old but I I just feel happy you know with being healthy and got grown up kids um and I do feel and I know everyone it's a cliche everyone says it but I do feel a lot younger than 56 and you look it as well you look fantastic share your secrets thank you I think it's a vegetarian diet (laughs) really have you been veggie your whole life been a veggie all my life never eating meat or fish never really been like always eating organic because my stepdad was into organic food and healthy food and never had refined sugar or sugar 
you know, we, um, yeah, I, I guess like a lot, we were all kind of people thought we were kind of crazy quacks then, but now everything we were doing in our family is kind of normal. Yeah, everyone's a veggie or a vegan now, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the next question is, how did Sadie Frost and Gary Kemp meet? I think I've heard this story from Finn and it's quite a good one because mm-hmm. was it on the set of a music video? Yeah, so I was 16 when I first met him. I'd just come out of school and... I was auditioning for the gold video and the director was called Brian Duffy. And it was, I think it was like Brian, Gary and one of the other band members. And they were, I had to pretend I was like a sunflower and I had to do this improvisation of being a flower. And, you know, we just met then there was definitely like a, a kind of spark, but I was, had a boyfriend and, and he had a girlfriend. And then we met five years later and I was in another one of his videos and then we were both single and literally we met then. And then a week later, I'd moved in. We're getting married and having a baby. <laughs> very quick. And my mum said, wow. the other she said, you went on holiday and you called her up and said, mum, we're going to get married. Can you help organise it all? That's hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, and looking back at it, I was incredibly naive and just didn't, you know, I think it was, you know, a dream come true. And he was an amazing man and a lovely husband. And you know what, sometimes you kind of, the, the first one might've been the best one. <laughs> I hate to say that, but I think he's a, a, a very honorable, amazing man. And, and you know, I, I love him lots and, and his wife and family, they're, they're great people. Okay, next we move on to the autofill suggestions. So basically what else comes up when people put your name into Google? This question, what is Sadie Frost famous for? I mean, and Google lists quite a lot. Actress, film producer, designer, business person, model, recently a director as well, of course. I mean, what can't you do? But is there a, you know, one particular aspect that you enjoy maybe the most? Well, I guess because directing is, I've just directed a film that's taken two years of my life. I am enjoying directing, but I'm also scared because I think that you know, it's quite a good place to be because I've had good reviews and it's gone really well. So I'm worried, like, what happens if I do something else? And, you know, I kind of think, well, maybe I should just leave it here. I mean, maybe leave everything where it is um, and just, you know, <laughs> as I said before, take a rest. But um, no, I, I have done um, a lot of different things and it must be quite annoying to people, but I just enjoy doing different things. I think the, also, there's one thing that's going to probably come up there, which is going to be more annoying for everyone, is I my best friend, Frances Raphael, who's a singer, asked me in lockdown to record an album with her. And that is going to come out next year. Um, and of course, like I just do, it's basically what we wanted to do was like this healing kind of, we thought like all these people in the 90s that were going to clubs and going to Ibiza and doing all this kind of weird nightlife stuff who are now kind of all healthy and into yoga and full moon parties and and just having a good time on a very kind of healthy level so we've Mm. recorded this kind of it's kind of like an like it's kind of thing you would hear want to hear if the sun was coming up and you wanted to practice yoga but it wasn't kind of it and France is an amazing singer and I do a lot of the kind of healing speaking rapping type thing so yeah it'll be that coming up next and that's called um, On and Out um, by Yin and Tonic. So that's the next stage. We just got a manager and everything. So um, Yin and Tonic as well. Love that. Yeah. 
(laughs) (laughs) So singer to add to the list. Absolutely love that. What's your favorite career moment to date, taking into account all the different things that you've done? Is there something that you are super proud of that kind of stands out against everything else? I mean, I do think like when I did Dracula, I mean, I was, that was such an amazing moment because I just had Finn and I was suddenly in Hollywood and I was working with Fanciful Coppola and I was meeting all the most amazing people in Hollywood and Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder and we had an amazing house in Hollywood and you know and I I was just a young mum and getting all this these amazing opportunities but I didn't and and it was exciting and looking back at it it's 30 years ago it was exciting and then I kind of was like no I don't really want this I actually just want to have a family and I went on to have four children and you know acting took a real backseat didn't get the like the the best funnest roles I could have got if I'd really focused on acting but I didn't want to act and bring up the kids because I felt like it would have been unfair to have left Finley in London for four months and not seen him and and the same with Raph and so I kind of thought all right I'll just do cameo type roles so looking back that was like the most exciting time as an an actor but then I do feel like just what's happened with Mary Quant has been as equally for me um I felt like and and it like I felt very, very rewarded. And like, it, this was a moment where I could actually feel good and go, you know what, you did okay. You've you've done something that, you know, you've, you you did it and, and enjoy it. I guess the Dracula was that, this, this now. And then there was a time, and it was interesting because I was just doing a documentary for someone else today. And they showed me some of the old um, shows for Frost French. And we had like people like Lily Cole and, you know, some of the, some may, um, we had people like Helena Christensen and Jerry Hall. And I was looking at the old Frost French shows and I was thinking when me and Jemima were doing that, that would have been, you know, when the, our babies were really little, like Finn was, Finn and Raph were little, but that was an amazing time too. So there was, you know, a few things that I've enjoyed, but it's it's never been consistent. There's been a, a kind of exciting bit and then suddenly, it, you know, you've got to enjoy it because then you kind of go, you have five years of complete, like what, you know, what's going on, nothing's <laughs> doing well and that, that hasn't had a good review and that's so hard. So, you know what? I don't think anybody has a completely consistent career and, and that's what you've got to take on the chin, that there's the good parts and the bad parts. This next search, I think, would have been one of, of the good parts of your career. Sadie Frost, Pulp. Because you were in the Common People music video. That is just so iconic. I, I loved that video and I still love it. And, it. and people still play it all the time, you know, all kind of put the, put the song on if I'm in a, a bar or something. And the director who directed that, you know, did something that was so special and obviously Jarvis Cocker is a genius. Mm. And I was so nervous to be asked to do that, that video. But I was so excited and I was like so um, in awe of them as a band. I, lo- I love their music. And, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just, it's stood at, at the test of time and it still looks really good. And the clothes and everything, you know, everyone who worked on the dancing, you know. And I'm, I'm just so, yeah, one of the, I'm very proud in that video yeah because like you say it's one of those songs isn't it that video is going to get played for years and years to come yeah. so cool and I'm sure people kind of use it as a kind of you know reference in, in certain situations and you've been in quite a few music videos obviously Spanner Ballet uh, ELO loads of others like do you have a favorite would it be Pulp or would it be maybe another one well I, I, I liked Pulp I definitely like Common People but I also like Gold you know that was very mm. I was 16 years old running around Seville painted gold that was living the dream, being a 16-year-old girl, kind of, that was my first pop video. So I, I guess that was a, a very, 
Yeah, one of my favourites as well. I got to meet Gary there as well. The last autofill suggestion that comes up is uh, Sadie Frost children. So I, of course, work with your lovely son, Finn, at Insanity Records. But I find it really interesting because all of your kids have quite creative jobs, right? Yeah, I encourage them all to go into like being lawyers or doctors and try to get them, you know, give them a, a good education and and, and me being in, uh, an actor and Jude being an actor and, and, and Gary as well, being a musician and an actor, I was like, you know, this is hard work, all this stuff. It's not like it's really difficult because if the industry is not doing well, they just aren't the jobs and you don't make money. So sometimes having a more, you know, I can look at my friends, the ones that kind of I thought maybe took the boring jobs. Now I've got like built empires and, the, you know, but maybe <laughs> they're not, you know, so, so, so fulfilled. I don't know. I, I guess it's in their blood. Finley started doing music from an early age and was writing music and had a band and he decided then he didn't want to be a front person and wanted to go into management and works at Sony or, and you know, all the great things he does. He's got a very sensible head, so he's in a creative field. And then Raf was always in a band, like performing and now is acting in this, um, it's called Whirlwind, I think it's uh, produced by Steven Spielberg about the pilots in the Second World War. So you know, he's done that. And then Iris, yeah, she's doing a TV series. Uh, well, she was in a TV series about the Sex Pistols that Danny Balls directed. And then Rudy, my baby, <laughs> I'm he's going to film school. And, I, and I'm oh. like, yeah, so he's um, hopefully, I'm encouraging him to, I'd love him to be a cinematographer. I said, I think he would, that would really suit him. So, you know, and they, they've all kind of, um, you know, got jobs as in, you know, like you say, go and get a job in a shop or a waiter and learn, you know, do different things. And, and Iris is doing textiles at St. Martin. So they, they're all quite busy and driven, you know, and, and I think maybe seeing me being a working mum, they're all very uh, proactive. Yeah, and I'm very, very mm. proud of all of them. Yeah, like you say, that creativity and drive, it's just, it's just in their blood, isn't it? Clearly. In their blood. And they work really hard. They've not been handed anything on a plate. I think people sometimes think, you know, if you were in a come from a family that's in the industry, but actually it can can actually work against people, you know, and I know when mm. I'm casting, you know, somebody comes along to do an audition and I'm casting, then I'm, the, you know, it doesn't matter where someone's come from. They just have to be the best person for the job. Right. It's time for a quick ad break now, but hurry back for part two. It's going to get juicy. Run along now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to A to Z of Men, a brand new podcast that helps explain, well, men. Each week, myself, Chris Brooks. And me, Scott Robinson. We take on a different letter of the alphabet. What? In order? Yeah, in order. We will find a word that best describes men that starts with that letter. So it's basically like a guide. Like a guide, yeah, that's correct. This will really help me explain myself to the wife. We tackle topics such as mental health, stereotypes, and stupid things us men do. Don't forget sex. Oh, and sex. Plus, you can send in your words, stories, and, well, anything to A2Z, it's the number two, A2Z of men at gmail.com, or follow us on Instagram and TikTok at A2Z of men. So join us each Wednesday as we create the A to Z of men. So the autofill search is done and the final part of the podcast is what we call internet tombola. It's basically a big old lucky dip of the World Wide Web to see what people have been posting about you. Okay, so let's give the wheel a spin and see what it lands on. It stopped on headlines. Uh, This one is from The Mirror in 2020, so fairly recent. Sadie Frost admits she was completely lost during her partying wild child days. I mean, those partying days are like stuff of of legend. You know, you and Kate Moss, the Gallagher Brothers, Jude Law, these wild parties, the cool Primrose Hill gang. But like, how does it feel for you, like looking back on those times now? Like it it feels, obviously it feels like a long time ago. It also feels that, well, I would never have said that. You know, I've obviously said maybe on a podcast I go yeah it was crazy and then that's gone on to a headline because I would never talk to a tabloid newspaper and say something like that but you know actually the news they were fun the 90s were fun and it was a whole different thing like people in whatever industry even if you you know whatever job you work in it was quite acceptable to go people would drink at lunch you know at a business lunch or people would you could turn up to work with a hangover in those days you know we were all in our 20s and 30s but you know now it would not be acceptable whether you're my age or 20 or 30 to turn up the hangover it's just the world has changed like you could be it was the 90s was all about being hedonistic there's a lot of pressure to have fun um even though I always kind of found it quite like I felt uncomfortable I'm not like I don't like party parties like loud music and blah 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 so some of it was just actually not that crazy, but some of it was. So there's a real mixture. <laughs> and when I said, I, I read something actually that was saying that the pe- so people who were partying in the 90s are partying more than anybody, any generation. And I was like, what, more than the 60s? Like, you know, Rolling Stones, all that kind of generation. And then, And then actually like loads of my kids' friends were like, what? No, we're much wilder than you guys. And I was like, 
And I was thinking, well, they probably are. It just was <laughs> the way it's just the way it's written about. And I think any a lot of people like having a good time at some point in their life, and then they get bored of it or they don't get bored of it. I definitely got bored of it. I definitely wasn't very good at it, and I was much happier being tucked up in bed with the kids and Coco, and having Coco and and you know, but. But then I, I, I'm glad I did have some wild mites and some good times. Um, and, you know, everybody was there we were, in those days. We were very close-knit people. And now it's very dispersed. So, you know, I, it's just nice to have a colourful life, but to have, have one where, you know, you're kind of looking out for yourself and your friends. And Because what sometimes happens in those kind of situations is that it all falls apart because everyone's a bit, takes things too far. So... You know, I, I I don't have any regrets or any resentments, and there were some fun times. Yeah, it was it was you know a lot of interesting people around. Okay, next it's landed on Instagram, and it's a photo from February 2020, and it's a picture of you at your graduation saying, "Never too old to study." That's amazing. Like, what made you decide to go and do that, Emma? Were you thinking about it for a while? Yeah, I was, I mean, because I'd been producing and doing short films and then me and my friend Emma Comley and Andrew Green, my other uh, two business partners, we set up a company called Blonde to Black Pictures and I would go for meetings and I kind of felt like people just thought that it wasn't really like, it was a vanity project and I wasn't actually really working and, and running around like a lunatic trying to get this company off the ground. And I just felt that I should go and, you know, get get an MA and, and study hard to kind of, really do my research and Elliot Grove who's at Raindance he suggested to me because you know I can I'm a creative producer but like the whole kind of budget thing scheduling certain elements were I, I'm very slow at learning so I thought going and doing a master's and also it was very important to me to interview women I wanted to kind of find out what the effect of uh, women who've had children are in film not just one child, but when you go on, because if you have one child, it's a certain effect. And then two or three or four, you know, things, mm. it gets harder and harder the more children you have. So that was where I kind of base it all. And it was really interesting because there were different opinions and some some established um, women producers would say it didn't affect them at all having a child. And others said, absolutely, it did. Now, for me, as soon as I finished the degree and I did that, like, I guess, late 40s and early 50s, I kind of finished the degree. My kids kind of grew up. I didn't have to do the school run. I didn't have to do this, this and this. And then I get an opportunity to direct a film, which I never would have got before when they were all little and I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I've been able to, to commit and achieve the things I wanted to achieve because my children, I'm not, I'm not kind of running a household and, and, and looking after four kids anymore. So it, it was very important to do, to go and study. And my mom, it was so funny, my mom coming to my graduation and I'm like dressed up as you know graduate and all that. And, you know, I'm 50, but it was great. It stopped on uh, headlines again. And this is quite the story. I want to see how true this is. I mean, it's from the mail, so we we know it could be bad. In an exclusive interview, Sadie Frost tells us what really happened when her daughter swallowed a Class A drug at Soho House. What happened there? Is that is there any truth to that? Well, basically, I've never given the mail an exclusive, so that's already... Already, uh, already, already scrubbed that out. Somebody kind of um, saying they work for another newspaper... But what actually happened was, you know, and it was a very, a very awful time for me in the sense that it was completely 
the whole thing was kind of written, twisted by the media. I had mm. gone to a children's party at Soho House, which my friends, uh, for Rafi, who was six, yeah, yeah, he would have been six. And it was a children's party, not like a, an adult club. They had a crash there. So children did go to Soho House at that point on a Sunday. So I took Iris because I'd been breastfeeding Rudy and I felt like I hadn't been giving Iris enough time. So I said to my mum, will you look after Rudy? I took Raph, uh, Raph and Iris. And Iris was a little toddler walk, going on the floor, kind of walk around the floor. And my best friend was like, she's put something in her mouth. And, and you know, it's just one of those really weird things because you're like, well, you know, we noticed it. We were so like, you know, it's 10 in the morning, drink cappuccino, switched on, seeing, you know, and then me and Zoe kind of pulled it out and we were, you know, a couple of people going that that looks like weird what's in her mouth and then and then so I just took her to the hospital so that happened but it was interesting because I'm a woman and because of course it must have been my fault and it must be something to do with me when actually maybe some whoops maybe someone could hoover up from the, the night before in the morning you know and you know we're stuck down the side of a, a sofa um you know so it was a really um difficult time for me and, and I never gave an exclusive to the male. It, it, it was a, an accident that could happen, you know, anywhere, I guess, but nothing to do mm. with me or to do with my parenting. Um, luckily, I, um, because of me and Zoe's fast, you know, speediness to the um, hospital, everything was okay. You oh, know, thank God. And, you know, it was a, a success story, but of course the media turned into a horror show. Um, and it's not like them. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of like... <laughs> It did that knock me back. And then I got, you know, I guess from that kind of thing affected other things and they affected other things. So it was not nice, you know, but anyway, things happen, you know, and, and, and you deal with them. So yeah, that was a nice headline. Yeah. I can yeah. smile about it now. Yeah. I can imagine now the time's passed. Must have been terrifying. Finally, it's landed on a comment from YouTube. Sadie scared the crap out of me as Vampire Lucy on Dracula. I had nightmares for a long time when I was a kid. I kept hiding my head under the cover because her vampiric look petrified me back then. I love that. There were so many comments about that film. Such a cult favourite, isn't it? So many amazing comments about your performance in it too. So what what are your memories of, of that time? Yeah, there were so many memories. I mean, it just felt like kind of real life in a way it was so real like being in that studio with all the kind of greenery and that Victorian house that they built it was all built at Columbia Studios and kind of having that wig and that gothic look and you know they play like this mad opera and 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 it was just like a kind of very sensory experience and you know everything from being pulled into those costumes at like six in the morning to <laughs> hanging out with you know on that bed or, or when I was you know from, um Gary Oldman was for six hours in prosthetics, it looked like the wolf. And I had to have that scene where, you know, that very rude scene where he's like on top of me. And I was terrified. <laughs> you know, I was completely terrified having to have Gary Oldman kind of doing some of those scenes. And it, it's very kind of um, iconic in a way. And, I, when I, and on Instagram, there's all kinds of fan sites and people do all these drawings. I meet so many people that have tattoos of Lucy, my character on them. You know, there's like so much memorabilia. It's just one of those things that just keeps going. And I sometimes, you know, and it must really be boring and annoying for people. I'll post a picture on Instagram just because I, I feel like oh, it's, it's Halloween or it's relevant or it's like, yeah. 
oh like um lucy um when she's holding the cross and it's like you know kind of fuck you kind of thing you know like i'm mood today <laughs> and then everyone's like and i love you in that movie and you get like love you know really lovely comments but i just i love the imagery and um yeah and all those actors were great that is it though sadie frost you completed celebrity oh, search engine how you. did you find it not too scary it wasn't too <laughs> scary you know i was definitely because I've, I've seen some you know weird things out there but um you didn't there was nothing like too weird yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, thank you for being on. Before I let you go, though, one final question. Who would you like to nominate to go through the Celebrity Search Engine experience sometime soon? Maybe a friend of yours, you know, that's got good stories or is there, I don't know, an actress or somebody you'd like to know more on? And we'll we'll get them on the podcast. Well, I'll give you two because I can't ever do choose one thing. Um, I, I What about Samantha Morton? Well, that'd be good. I think she would be good. Samantha Morton would be very good. Or Nick Grimshaw. Oh, yeah, I've not had Grimmy on yet, actually. That would be, yeah. be good fun. Yeah, be a lot about him. So, Thanks exactly. for listening to Celebrity Search Engine. Please hit that subscribe or follow button to make sure you don't miss a future episode because we have some great guests coming up for the rest of this series. And you don't want to miss out on the fun now, do you? If you're on Apple Podcasts, then drop us a review and a rating. Five stars, pretty please. That would be greatly appreciated. And let us know in that review or over on social media who you'd like to see on the podcast next. Sadie Frost has nominated two people in Samantha Morton and Nick Grimshaw. But who would you like to know more on? Let us know then. We are at Celeb Search Engine on Instagram. Until next time, everybody, I'm your host, Abby McCarthy, and thanks for using the Celebrity Search Engine. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.